Welcome back to the Allen and Warren Report. I'm Warren Baylog. Say hi, Dan. I'm Alan Baylog. Greetings. <laughs> <laughs> we're um, we're recording this a few a few days early, guys. So, um, we're, Dad and I are both going to be traveling this weekend, and uh, we're actually recording this on Thursday. In fact, I just finished recording the weekly report a couple hours ago. So. Everything you're about to hear will be three days old, <laughs> the headlines, by the time you get this. But I'm still glad because I wanted to make sure that we get our take out on a bunch of things. Probably by the weekend, there'll be a bunch of new things in the headlines. And there's a lot of stuff right now to talk about. Three, th three days could seem like a month, the way things are unfolding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Hey, what's up? You know you're only hearing half of the show, right? And it's being indiscriminately uh, interrupted with these sales pitches because we just don't know how else to get your attention and get you over there. Uh, our website, our podcasts are 100% listener funded. Uh, they are funded with your subscriptions. So if you could please do that, uh, help us out. The right stuff biz slash paywall. Thanks. The, yeah, it is so much. Um, the first thing that I want to talk about, and this is something that was really exciting and, and made me very happy today is there are new approval ratings out. You haven't seen this yet, have you? No. There are approval ratings out for uh, Biden. And his approval numbers have have basically tanked. They're horrible. Um, so I got this from Disclosed TV, and it, the original story comes from Axios. So let me pull this up. I hear some Zog jets going over. I don't know if the mic is picking that up. Um, so this is from Axios. Biden's approval ratings among Dems drops 11 points in one month. Uh, so this is a huge drop-off. If you look at where he was among Democrats at the beginning of 2021 or the end of 2020, the beginning of 2021 when he got elected, it was almost 100% approval rating. And then it went down quite a bit, and then it came up in the middle of the summer of 2021, and then it went, dropped off substantially down below 80% in, um, in, in the, the end of 2021, and then it's been back up and down all year. And it was up pretty high. It was up to like 80, I don't know, 88% or something, or, and, then, and then here it just dropped off a cliff in the last uh, month. Actually, not even the last month. So here, I'm just going to read the article and we'll talk about it. President Biden's approval rating among Democrats has plummeted to a record low of 75%. Now, again, that's the, this is among Democrats. Yeah. Down a staggering 11 points over just the last month, according to a new Gallup poll conducted between October 2nd and October 23rd. It says Biden is at risk of alienating members of his own party with his unequivocal support for Israel which has carried out a weeks-long bombardment and total siege of Gaza in response to Hamas' October 7th terrorist attacks. I hate that terrorist attacks bullshit. It wasn't, it, these were not terrorist attacks. It was a raid, but it was a military attack. Anyway, an annual Gallup poll conducted in February found that Democrats sympathized more with Palestinians than Israelis for the first time in the survey's two-decade history. That's interesting. The divide is particularly stark between generations. Less than half, 48% of Gen Z and millennials, believe the U.S. should publicly voice support for Israel, according to a recent NPR's PBS NewsHour poll. <clears throat> Zoom in. Biden's initial response to the October 7th massacre, including his trip to Israel, request for $14 billion in military aid, and speeches decrying Hamas as, quote, sheer evil, unquote, drew widespread praise from supporters of Israel. But the president's steadfast support for the Jewish state has not translated into new political support at home, according to four national polls conducted after October 10. Now, remember, they were all saying that this making him like a wartime president, he goes over to Israel and is like, in a, that that would somehow boost him. It hasn't. Well, yeah, traditionally, when stuff like this goes down, people sort of <clears throat> come together. Historically, they have, but right. they're, they're not with this. Right. And, um, you know, they, they, 
They link there to a, an NBC News poll. Biden has yet to benefit from the handling of the Israel-Hamas war. Polls fine. Um, it says that um, after his October 10th address condemning attacks, Hamas's attack on Israel, which we spent almost our whole last show discussing, it's interesting, that was the second Oval Office address that he has made. After his one-day visit to Tel Aviv and ahead of his, oh, and ahead of his primetime Oval Office address, uh, the moment isn't paying off with the American electorate. Four different national polls show Biden's approval rating stuck in the high 30s or low 40s. So back to the Axios article. Uh, Biden's approval in October's Gallup poll fell four points to match a record low, his overall approval rating, to match a record low of 37%, driven by his slide among Democrats and a four-point drop-off among uh, independents, 35%. His approval among Republicans remained steady at 5%. So 5% of Republicans approve of Biden. Now, that has not changed as a result. So he didn't gain any support of Republicans over his handling of the Israel thing, which is interesting. You would think a couple of points of, of Republicans would now back him. But his independence number is 35 and his Democrat number, uh, or I mean, his overall number is 37. Now, get this. Biden has waved off calls from progressives and pro-Palestinian activists for a ceasefire in Gaza. Even as he has privately nudged Israel to delay a ground invasion, the death toll in Gaza, which has exceeded 7,000 people, according to the Ministry of Health of the Gaza Hamas-run government, is expected to spiral if and when the Israeli defense forces enter the densely populated strip. Biden has called for a flow of humanitarian aid into Gaza to increase while stressing Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people and condemning rising anti-Semitism and Islamophobia in the U.S. Many Muslim and Arab Americans who consider themselves loyal Democratic voters have expressed a sense of betrayal over Biden's support for the Israeli military campaign. Quote, Joe Biden has single-handedly alienated almost every Arab American and Muslim American voter in Michigan, Democratic State Representative Alabas Farhat told NBC News last week. The Council on American-Islamic Relations demanded Biden apologize Wednesday for suggesting he does not have confidence in the death toll cited by Gaza's health ministry. Quote, this is what Biden said, quote, I'm sure innocents have been killed, and it is the price of waging war, Biden said. Oh, well, that's not You know what's really amazing is that he still has 75% supporting him. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is amazing when you consider the Democratic base, the amount of blacks, the amount of you know, liberals. Uh, but, you know, they, uh, here's a, a BBC article from uh, six or seven hours ago. They're, they're saying that, yeah, the 7,000 uh, – Palestinians have been uh, uh, Palestinians have been killed. Now, at least twenty four journalists have been killed, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's uh, you know with all that going on, they they wiped out that whole uh, that one reporter's family. I mean, the the atrocities are just, they just go on and on. They don't care at all. Yeah, well, here. So let's look at this article. I will never vote Biden. Some Muslim Americans in a key swing state feel betrayed by the president. This is NBC News. Muslim Amer and Arab Americans say their support was critical to Biden's winning Michigan in 2020. Some warn they won't be back him again over his blanket support for Israel. Uh, it says, as, as Biden declared unwavering support for Israel in the days after Hamas's terror attack, Ahmad Ramadan, a former Biden advisor, now leading coalition efforts for the Michigan Democratic Party, called the state party chair to raise the alarm about what he was hearing. Michigan has one of the largest Muslim and Arab American populations in the country, and they say their support for Biden was instrumental to putting him over the top in the critical swing state in 2020. But now Ramadan and other Democratic leaders in the state were hearing nothing but frustration with Biden and threats not to vote for him again. In a series of more than a dozen roundtable discussions with Muslim community leaders in the two weeks since the October 7th attack by Hamas, Ramadan said the main takeaway is that, quote, people are very disappointed. They said, quote, they will not forget what President Biden did and why he lied to them. 
Quote, President Biden won with historic numbers in 2020, and I was proud to represent that. But the last two weeks have really shifted things, Ramadan said. I've also been getting calls from people saying I have blood on my hands because I got people out to support him during that campaign. The question is, who are these Muslims and Arabs in Michigan going to vote for? You know, who are we going to vote? Yeah, for, yeah, you know? exactly. Same I mean, people we're gonna, you know, they'll probably sit home. But it's interesting because it says <clears throat> while Muslim Americans remain a small minority of the U.S. population, their numbers are growing rapidly and both parties are increasingly vying for their support. Now, I've talked a lot about this. Uh, how the Muslim vote in America is very divided and, and it's not the vote. It's the Muslim community is very divided. I mean, it's not like the Jews. Like there's this roughly the same number of Muslims as Jews in the country, but the problem is, um, Muslims come from different sects of Islam, Shia, Sunni, and, and, and then there's all kinds of, uh, different nationalities, different races, ethnic types, people from different parts of the world. You know, uh, Indonesia and, and places like that. There's Muslim. I mean, to say a Muslim can mean so many different things, and there's no uh, unity politically. It's not a solid block like with the Jews. Yeah, and that's why the uh, that's why care is so shitty because care is basically the only thing that they you know the council on the big Muslim lobby in this country, the Council on American Islamic Relations, the only thing that they can really get you know have in common is like opposition to islamophobia so their whole thing is playing up muslims as a, another group like blacks or anybody else. like sort of playing muslims up as another anti-white wedge group and kind of trying to curry favor with elites on that basis but i would say that care is like absolutely the crappiest lowest common denominator and uh, is I'm sure there are a lot of Jews actually involved in care. It's it's very shitty, uh, but it doesn't form the actual opinion. I mean, Muslims across the world right now are are united on this issue of Israel. It's interesting how care had to call on Biden to apologize. But again, where are they going to turn to? The Republican Party. I mean, we're going to talk about Mike Johnson in a second. Um, Anyway, yeah, Republicans have turned them off with policies like the travel ban. Uh, now, though, Muslim leaders are warning Democrats risk losing their support, too. If Biden and the party do not not do more to combat Islamophobia and address the pain many are feeling about the war in Gaza. And here we get that quote about him single-handedly alienated almost every Arab American and Muslim American voter in Michigan, said the representative, uh, Alabas Farhad, whose district includes Dearborn home to one of the largest Muslim and Arab American communities in the country. Uh, Farhat says he has constituents and neighbors who have family members trapped in Gaza, including some who are American citizens, and they feel completely abandoned by the U.S. government for not doing more to help get them out, get aid in, and pressure Israel for a ceasefire. Quote, the Biden administration and Democrats as a whole are going to have to do a lot of work to rebuild some level of trust with my community. In rolling conversations in Michigan and beyond over the past two weeks, Muslim elected officials, activists, and community leaders have coalesced around a plan to mobilize their constituents to vote next year, but also to encourage them to leave the top of the ticket blank in protest. See, that's good. Yeah, that is. That's good. Um, quote, that's the plan right now, Farhad said. I think there's going to be a lot of people that remember when you won Michigan years ago by a razor-thin margin, margin. When you won Georgia with a razor-thin margin, when you won Arizona with a razor-thin margin, do not be surprised if there are consequences for your actions. Uh, others have heard from constituents who are planning to vote Republican because they feel at least Republicans were honest with them about their carte blanche support for Israel, and they feel duped and used by Democrats. See, apply that to our situation. Yeah. You know, Democrats are honest about their fucking hatred of white people. You know? Yeah. Republicans dupe you. They duped and used. You feel duped and used by Democrats? Well, we'll get to Mike Johnson, but we are duped and used white people by Republicans. By Republicans, yeah. The Democrats are more honest with us. But see, on, on Arabs and Muslims, the Republicans are more honest because they just say they hate Muslims and they support Israel. Um. 
Now, Rashida Tlaib said at a rally calling for a ceasefire. I can't help but like her right now. Like, you know, she does the squad shit. She does the typical anti-white, like, you know, leftist crap. But President Biden. You know, when you read this stuff, it's like on its face. This this whole political system is a sham. I mean, how could you have this much popular support for the Palestinians? And yet there is no major political candidate in either party. That is taking the Palestinian side. No, not one. Yeah, I mean, how can how can that be in a so called democracy? Well, the gap between I mean, it's just like it's like the um, I remember going to a Republican meeting, um, an executive committee meeting that I went to in uh, Allegheny County, around Pittsburgh, and uh, there was a representative there, a girl who was working for a. Uh, one of these uh, 501c4s, you know, Americans for Liberty and Prosperity, fuck, you know, whatever, LLC or whatever the fuck they were called. Anyway, I uh, got talking to her and I looked up the um, group she was working for and it was one funded by the Koch brothers. Hey, you're still listening to only half the show? Get behind the paywall and get the rest of the story. Go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall and choose the subscription model that works best for you. And don't forget, every Tuesday evening, there is an Odyssey stream where Sudden Sun will take your donations through a credit card or a debit card in exchange for a subscription. You have no idea how much content you're missing. Go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall and let's fix that. And it's a mainly like libertarian economic, like the Cato Institute. One of these, one of a million of those. And it's just so funny how for years, for decades, we've had in this country, the thing that's popular is economic populism or progressivism married to social, racial, right-wing views, you know? And yet that was never reflected in any of the think tanks or the nonprofits, the 501c3s, the 501c4s, and yet the libertarian so-called position of like, let's get more tax breaks for rich people, wildly overrepresented in the, in the nonprofits. So, you know, what that just shows you is, okay, what the people want is not what they fucking get in this system. What you get is what the rich people and the elites want, including the Jews. It's not what the, what the people want. And that right there just shows a, like a huge discrepancy. In the claims of democracy versus what what they say, and like every ten years, you'll you'll have a third party candidate that expresses that, uh, you know, Pat Buchanan or uh, Ross Perot, somewhat, or, or if you or go Trump, you go all the way back to George Wallace, yeah, Trump, Trump was the biggest, biggest example, and that's why he surprised everybody because that's what people want. He went there for his own selfish reasons, and then he just betrayed all that also. But but yeah, it's it's obvious that that's what people want. That's what's popular, and you just can't get it anywhere. And see this this attitude right here. Um, it says that. Um, so Rashida Tlaib said, President Biden, not all of America is with you on this one, and you need to wake up and understand that we will remember this. The White House and Biden's campaign say they are aware of concerns and are working to address them. Um, Pushing, pointing to his comments in the Oval Office to address, Thursday night, pushing for aid to Palestinians, urging Israel not to be blinded by rage, and directly telling Muslims, Americans, I see you, you belong. Yeah. yeah I, that, that, that's, he'll, that's how he will address them, lip service. He'll pay a little bit of lip service to some, you know, something so basic, like, you know, you really shouldn't be bombing uh, hospitals and civilians, killing Palestinian babies, you know. Uh, Better, better watch that, you know, and that, that's going to be the extent of it. Well, and, and, and this thing, did we talk about it on this show? The thing about the blinded by rage, how, what bullshit that is. It's like, it's like I don't Israel's, I, I just said it on it. Maybe it was last week. I don't know. I've been talking so much on shows anymore. I, I forget which word, what I said where, but this idea of, oh, Israel, don't be blinded by rage like we were on... Well, yeah, because we talk about 9-11. It's like this, okay. this legitimate, the legitimacy of that. It's like, what about saying Hamas don't be blinded by rage? You know? See, Hamas's motives, they are not acknowledging 
that Hamas could have a rational reason for doing what they did. The only thing is, it's sheer evil. Like the Hamas people are just sitting around, they're living in the good life in the Gaza Strip. You know, they're, they're just living high on the hog, living the good life, and they're just like, what can we do for the sheer evil of it? Like, what's the most evil thing we can do just for the hell of it? It's funny because it reminds me, it's exactly what George Bush said when he said they hate our freedoms. It's like, so there's no, you're not telling me there's any military or civilian or or, or civil geo, geopolitical, there's no reason why Hamas would do what they do other than sheer evil, like well, like the well, devil. Well, like what we talked about, uh, some of Osama bin Laden's statements, he, he made it very clear that it was, you know, backing up Israel uh, against all the Muslims and stuff. That, that's why they did 9-11, you know? And, and uh, I mean, it's real obvious. And, and Hamas is uh, the military of, of the Palestinians, of Gaza. They're always referred to as terrorists and whatnot, but uh, well, they're the, also it's, the, it's the civil, military. The civil government of, of Gaza. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And this line, I see you, you belong, it's like, oh, you see me, oh, thank you, you know, like, you see me, you, I see you, you motherfucker. So, yeah, he's a reasonable guy. Oh, yeah, he, what's, and I, I love how it's a, the White House and Biden's campaign point to this, to show that Biden, now get this, so here's more of the White House and Biden's campaign. The president and this administration have been unequivocal. There is no place for Islamophobia, xenophobia, or any of the vile racism we have seen in recent weeks, Biden campaign spokesperson Amar Musa said, traitor. As yeah, so, Mag- so, the, so the, the Palestinians get that, they get that statement, and the Israelis get $14 billion. Right. Yeah, as MAGA Republicans continue to run on an openly Islamophobic platform, including renewed support for Donald Trump's Muslim ban, the stakes of next year's election could not be more consequential. President Biden continues to work closely and proudly with leaders in the Muslim and and Palestinian communities in America. Listen to them, stand up for them, and fight back against hate. So, again, we see here, in effect, the full, the true agenda of this whole, like, we're fighting racism thing. Biden is literally sending thousands of U.S. troops, including special forces, air defense people, all these people sending them over is sending weapons of war, guns, bombs, missiles, everything to kill children over there. And while he's doing it, his cover is, well, white people are racist and we're the only thing that's going to stop you against their racism and Islamophobia. Remember the phrase, uh, invade them all, invite them all. This is it right here. Yeah. It's, it's simultaneous. And I remember... You know, I remember the same thing, uh, the opposite with Marine Le Pen a few, a number of years back. I had a disagreement. I've talked about this before. I had a disagreement with a Muslim friend of mine, uh, who's, uh, who was Moroccan. Uh, and we had a disagreement about Marine Le Pen. Now, this was back like 2015 or 16. So this was the peak of the migrant, you know, problems in Europe. And we had a big argument because I was pissed off that he was anti-Le Pen and National Front because I said that, you know, she was against the war in Libya. She was against the war in Iraq. She was against the, the Israeli occupation of Palestine. But she was also against uh, increasing Muslim immigration into France. And he he was just buying the line at that time that she's anti-Muslim. But I, I, I remember arguing with him at the time. But yeah, but I was like, this is the problem with you Muslim expats. You know, it's like, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking of your people back there in the home country? Or are you thinking of your own ass here in Western in Western countries, your ability to make a living and, and live here? You know, yeah. and, and that's the problem is that, you know, they they don't want a world they want to take Muslims out of those countries, the talented tent or whatever, bring them over here, westernize them enough, you know, so that they don't feel any kinship with the home country. And I also remember a, uh, a Somali guy that I knew who was very intelligent guy. I mean, like, you know, say what you want about Somalis. This guy was very brilliant. Um, and he was a, a mathematician. I knew him in college 
And uh, I met his family once, and I remember his uh, his little brother. His parents were like nice older uh, people, um, and his sister very hospi- hospitable. But his younger brother was, you could tell, completely negrified by American culture. So they all spoke with the accents, and they still had the customs of the home country. But the but the younger brother was because uh, they lived around D.C. area. He was like, completely like American Negro in terms of his culture that he had been. So they always want to create this wedge, you know. But again, this policy is so screwed up because it's like on the one hand, oh, well, you're going to use Muslims in Western countries as a wedge against whites, against white labor, against white neighborhoods, white communities, white culture, white everything. We're protecting you against Islamophobia and xenophobia and racism. At the same time, you're murdering hundreds of children in the home countries. Well, I, th- I think they're, you know, I think they're hoping to do uh, what they did with the, all the European ethnic. Yes, I mean, uh, all the Europeans that immigrated here. Uh, like I remember, you know my grandparents' generations, uh, they, they were very ethnic. You know, they still, you know, they spoke Hungarian or Polish or Italian or whatever. And then, you know, like like my father's generation, a little less, they still spoke it, but but they were losing it. And then the boomers from those people, hardly anything at all. It's, it, you know, we become like Americans. And what does that mean, you know? Uh, now, we still thought, think of ourselves as white, all of us. And up till, you know, last few decades, most people thought of themselves as Christian. But uh, they're hoping to do that with with Muslims and Arabs and, 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 you know, Somalis and everything else, is to just get them to become American and just dilute everything. So you end up with this raceless, cultureless, religionless uh, mass of, like, consumers you know they're either they're a cost of production or labor cost of production or you just listen to npr it's supposed to be so progressive and and all the stuff on there you know when they give economic reports it's like it's good for consumers good for the market I mean, that's all you are in, in this american system but i think they're going to have a problem with it because these people have more they're just more uh cohesive and i don't think uh the Muslim, you know, they're speaking their own languages. They're building mosques. Uh, it's becoming like a Muslim colony in, in North America and Europe, uh, where these people come to. So, I, I don't think it's going to work out for them. Yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting things about this. I mean, the first thing is, I like the fact that they are not. Um, yeah, here's one: the president cannot win without the Muslim vote, point blank, because they're they're concentrated. So, yeah, a couple of aspects to this. One is that good for these people to be taking this position and they're not letting Biden buy them off with the um, with the rhetoric of, uh, well, we're going to protect you against Islamophobia and race racism. Um, that's really good. And, you know, it's funny because it speaks to the um, international connectedness of the world. I mean, Dad, you know about how many dumb German Americans during World War Two were like overeager to show how anti-Nazi they were and what good Americans they were. And even in World War I, you had a lot of German Americans that, that, that were like, let's show how patriotic we are now that we're, we're Americans now, you know? Well, yeah, I know even uh, my grandmother, my, my father and my uncle, uh, when the Second World War broke out, uh, Hungary was nat- naturally allied with Germany. And they were worried about because there was people – in the neighborhood, uh, this Russian guy in particular who wasn't going to go, uh, he was a, he, he was one of the Jews and and uh, was trying to talk them into not not going into resisting, but uh, feeling you know with my grandmother and all my grandfather had passed away already, but was well how is everybody going to look at us? You know we we just got here not that long ago and now you know Hungary's allied with Germany. If you don't go in, you know, that that kind of pressure, people felt that kind of pressure. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because back then you had to come over to the U.S. on a big ship, you know. Um, today, 
it, it's such a big, like a more, because uh, of technology, it's, a, it's such a more interconnected world. And think of how those Germans would have been different if they had YouTube and Twitter and all these things where you can you can watch live streams, you can see videos, you can hear, you know, you can do video calls. Everyone, first of all, everyone would still speak the language as a second language. And people would probably make flights back and forth constantly to the home country and they would stay in touch. And then if, if the U.S. is trying to, like, build up a hate campaign against Nazi Germany – you would have tons of, of inter, international, global, like, contacts that could tell the truth of what's going on, and people would be proud to be associated. And there were people back then who were. But because of the nature of how globalized we are right now, these people are identifying with the Palestinians, and they're, and they're just seeing this, this, this Biden thing. So that's the first thing is that, uh, you know, like, what are lessons I think we could take away from this? One – as white people, we need to identify with Europe. You know, the way these Palestinian, the way these Muslims and Arabs in the United States are identifying with the interests of the Palestinians around the world, which is the same as how the Jews are identifying with the Israelis. This is how white people should look at all other white people in the rest of the world. I, I've often thought that uh, building up to the Second World War. Sven needs me. To sign up for a paywall subscription at the rightstuff.biz slash paywall. Okay, Sven, I'm your number one guy. I'll do it. In this country, if, if the German, not, not, a, not all of them, you're never going to get everybody on board, but if a substantial percentage of the Germans, the Italians, the, the Irish, they had, you know, uh, if those groups had just said, hell no, this isn't our fight, you know, right. uh, and, and just refused to go, it, it, it's it, that whole project would have been derailed. But you just, uh, you know, that social pressure, that, that, that pressure to be accepted, uh, is, it's still very intense, you know, among white people. But, uh, uh, yeah, we do need to, like, look at these people, the Muslims and all, how they're behaving with this and take some, uh, some lessons from it. Well, the second interesting thing that we can take away from this is it says Muslims only make up 1.3% of the U.S., about half the size of the Jewish population. Now, I don't know how they're figuring that because I always thought it was about the same, but especially now with more recent immigration. But what I was going to say was the uh, the interesting thing is that because it says they are their votes are critical in battleground states that may be won or lost on narrow margins, including Michigan, Minnesota, Georgia, and Arizona. So Michigan, Minnesota, Georgia, and Arizona, <clears throat> think of uh, other swing states, Pennsylvania, others. This is the critical thing we need to take away is the NJP. Long before we can ever run a presidential candidate that could win, we could run a presidential candidate that could swing a critical swing state. Yes. And by organizing and mobilizing white people in these critical swing states, that would give us the leverage over not just that state, but actually the outcome of the presidential election itself. And that's, again, I always tell people this, that's how power works. I mean, it is a sort of a zero-sum game. And that that doesn't just mean that it's either us or them. I mean, when people talk about a zero sum game, that's usually what they what they take away from that, that, you know, it's our gain is their loss and their loss is our gain. And so it's there's no there's no uh, meeting of the minds. Right. You know, it's just a, a hard either or us or them. <clears throat> and there's not a lot of room for compromise. But what I take away from a zero sum game is that. As we gain, they lose power. As we gain power, they lose power. So if we mobilize 5% of the white population in a given state, now they are down to 95%. Their, their power, their hold over white people is weakened in that state. And, and with that, their hold over the country and their hold over the planet, you know, so if, if the NJP can become a big enough pain in their ass in a few years, in a few of these critical swing states, like the Muslims could be here, then you make it where 
they have to take our position into account. And that's the thing. You can be on Telegram posting all day long. You can be watching stuff. You can be going to skinhead concerts. You can be doing anything you want. You know, fly a, 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 a don't tread on me flag or fly a Nazi flag. But if you cannot mobilize your people in an election, not to win even, but just to swing a critical election, they're not going to pay any attention to you. But if you can do that, this is what's interesting. It's like the Jews are omnipotent. The Jews are all powerful. The Jews control everything. And it certainly seems that way when you see what Biden said and the way he's acting and the way uh, the new Speaker of the House is acting. But they could hurt him in this state. I mean, the Muslims, Rashida Tlaib, they could freaking hurt him. Well, that's how internationally, how uh, nation states work with diplomacy. I mean, if you're one of the smaller countries in Europe, I mean, you have you had like Germany and Russia and and, and uh, Great Britain, uh, and if these smaller countries can uh, you know ally with one or the other, it was important. If, if if push came to shove, it's better to have you know Poland, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, you know whatever on 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 your side than against you. Uh, I mean, those countries can't stand up on their own and challenge the, the big blocks, but who they ally themselves with can make a big difference. And, uh, you know, and that, that's what it is here. I mean, we can, I could see the day where, uh, you know, I could see white nationalists, if, if, if we get the NJP to where we want, there'd be cases where we would make an alliance maybe with black nationalists or even, uh, Mexican nationalists or something. And, and it's, and it's just, uh, you know that's what diplomacy is. It's it's like you surrender a little bit here, and they surrender a little bit, and and you both nobody gets exactly what they want. But uh, you know the, the, this zog that has her foot on everybody's throats, uh, we could stand up to them. Well, there, it says there's an estimated two hundred and forty thousand Muslims in Michigan, a state one Biden won in twenty twenty by a hundred and fifty thousand votes. Trump won Michigan in twenty sixteen by a little more. A little more than ten thousand seven hundred votes. So two hundred forty thousand Muslims. Biden won by one hundred fifty thousand. Trump won by ten thousand or eleven thousand. So <clears throat> that's really great. They're concentrated in a critical state, and they could actually swing the presidential election by just denying. And again, what's great here is the willingness to not to leave the top slot blank. Because see, we also have to be willing to do that. It's denying them your vote. So they're saying, who cares if Trump gets in? Trump is, they're not saying we're going to support Trump. See, they're, you know, you got to break out of that, um, lesser of two evils bullshit or they, or, you know, if you're not helping this guy, you're helping the other guy. No, wrong. It's like Trump is honest. Trump hates Muslims and supports Israel and is slavishly devoted to Israel. But Biden does too. Right. Biden's just lying to us, you know? So the same willingness that these people are willing, are showing to deny Biden the vote because he lies to them and is taking them for dupes and let Trump get in, even though from their perspective, Trump would be worse. We have to have the same willingness with white people. It's like deny our, deny Trump the vote in 2020 because he is a cucked Jew loving, you know, nigger lover, basically, you know, that's what Trump is. He is a disgusting, capitalist, Jew-loving nigger lover. I mean, that you know, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty, pretty, right? Pretty, you know, yeah. So, so we defy Trump on that and say, you know what? We're not going to vote for you, Donald Trump, even if it means Biden gets in again. That doesn't mean we're supporting Joe Biden, but we would rather, you know, you just like they're saying, Better to have someone like Biden who honestly just says he hates white people than Trump who acts as though he hates white people, the white working class, uh, you know, the white whites on the international stage. But he just tries to lie to you. And that's true of all the Republicans. Well, you know, you know Jimmy Hoffa did that uh, when he when he, the teams came out and supported Nixon. Right. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, Labor's always been Democrat and he did, they just got tired of uh you know, paying lip service to labor and never really, you know, doing that much. And uh, so Hoffa called her bluff and he supported Nixon, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and here's another one. Uh, uh, Al Hanuti, who's Palestinian American, said she's heard many people say they either won't vote for president in 2024 or they'll vote third party. Well, that's what we got to do, white people. Um, the margins in states like Michigan and re- in Michigan in recent elections have been so thin, many groups can uh, can and do claim credit for swinging an election. With representatives of each competing for precious resources and pushing to get their agenda moved up the White House's priority ladder. And some of the demands from Muslim Americans are likely non-starters for Biden and would have been even before the attack as well. Uh, But everyone agrees Biden will need every vote he can get in states like Michigan. Michigan is a competitive state and it's purple to begin with. With these complicated dynamics, it's going to make it one of the most challenging states in the country says Representative Debbie Dingell, Democrat Michigan, who lived in Dearborn for 40 years. That anger has been especially felt in Dearborn, where the city's mayor has been excoriating Biden and other officials on social media for being, quote, silently complicit in some of the most horrific war crimes our eyes have witnessed funded by our tax dollars. See, this is why I love politics, because even with their total control, these are the kind of problems that they can have. If you study politics and you see how it works and you know how to get organized and where to pay attention to this guy. I mean, that's how the Jews, how the power they have. They don't look at, Oh, we're, you know, six, 7 million Jews in the United States, all these people, how could we possibly get our way? No, they, they, they look at these nerve centers of society. They get their in there and they they make you know it's like like the human body there's you know little spots in your brain if you get a tiny little uh, tumor the size of a, a, a pinhead or something you're, you can be paralyzed or something and that's how they that's how they operate they don't they don't worry about the arms and the legs and the back they just find that little spot in the brain and they, and they go for it and and they've been very successful with that with banking and media and and you know uh, financing uh, campaigns uh, you know so. It's uh, yeah, we can't operate exactly like like them because we're you know, just as a different nature. But there, this idea that we we can't do anything, they're all powerful, is is, uh, is really not true. So here's the guy. I'm going to just break off to look at his statement. Abdullah H. Hamoud, uh, he is the uh, mayor of Dearborn. Fatima's husband, Mariam's Baba, son of immigrants, mayor of Dearborn, policy nerd, cheesecake connoisseur, uh, uh, statistics enthusiast. And he's just a young, like, millennial guy. Looks very, like, westernized. But here's his statement. This was from uh, October 17th, so um, uh, about nine days ago, as of when we're recording. Today, my constituents are watching in shock and horror as our federal and statewide leaders remain silently complicit in some of the most horrific war crimes our eyes have witnessed, funded by our tax dollars. Emboldened by a green light from the Biden administration, the Israeli military has decimated Al-Ali Hospital in Gaza. An estimated 500-plus innocent lives obliterated in an instant, people as a whole and human as you and I. People as whole and human as you and I. The leaders of our government, both Republican and Democrat alike, have yet to find the courage to condemn the Israeli government's deliberate starvation of two million Palestinians, cutting off water, and killing of journalists documenting atrocities. So many in our Dearborn community carry the scars of war in our memories and our bodies. Countless community members, including members of my own family, know the horrors of Israeli military brutality firsthand. And watching that brutality unfold has revived traumas that never left. Still, and he puts this in bold, nothing could have prepared us for the complete erasure of our voices and radio silence from those whom we elected to protect and represent us. Our family members trapped in Gaza have been ignored. Our calls for a ceasefire drowned out by the drums of war and racist media coverage that dismisses the massacre of entire Palestinian families as collateral damage. In Michigan, every one of our federal and statewide officials must immediately call for a ceasefire to save lives, and they must demand justice for the Palestinian people. Failure to do so will never be forgotten. I like not one word about Israel has a right to defend itself or any of the blah, blah, blah. You know what I call that? The Zog credo. You know, the the credo in the mass, you know, it's like Israel has a right to defend itself. You know, that's... Boy, uh, Dearborn has a history of being a problem for Jews. I mean, that was Henry Ford's old town. That's 
the, he had that, uh, the Dearborn Independent where he first published, uh, the international Jew, the world's foremost problem. Oh yeah. Yeah. So oh, Dear, yeah. Dearborn, you know, whether it's Henry of- Ford or Muslims, it's uh, not going the way they like. We got a lot of good NJP guys in, in Michigan. Um, but yeah, so back to the NBC article. So the, the mayor, the city's mayor has been excoriating Biden and other officials on social media for being silently complicit in some of the most horrific war crimes our eyes have witnessed, funded by our tax dollars. Uh, Sammy Caldi, president of the Dearborn Democratic Club, said she will still vote Democratic, but added, I would like to advise my president to rethink his strategies, foreign policies, blah, blah, blah. People are, here's another one, president of New Generation for Palestine, a Dearborn-based network of mostly young Palestinian Americans, said, what I'm hearing now is people feeling completely betrayed by Joe Biden. People are feeling the Democratic Party is unequivocally, with a few exceptions, supporting Israel and not humanizing the Palestinians and looking at the humanity of the Palestinians. It says the, that frustration is also widely felt on the political left beyond Muslims, especially among younger voters. A new Quinnipiac University poll found that while a large majority, 68 percent of Democrats overall approve of Biden's handling of Israel and 42 percent of all registered voters do, only 21 percent of voters aged 18 to 34 approve, while 50 percent disapprove. And we'll get into those numbers in a second. Uh, if you're hearing this, then you're only getting half the show. Did you know that the right stuff.biz is 100% listener funded? Thanks to this censorship machine, this project can only be sustained by listeners like you, by supporters like you. So why don't you get behind the paywall at the right slash paywall and show the powers that be that they can't silence the most silenced. So protest, let it be known. Come next November, we will remember, Mr. President. Um, so here's a guy... Uh, Osama Sablini, publisher of the Arab American News, a registered independent who supported Biden, despite being formerly active in Republican politics and launching George W. Bush's presidential campaign in Dearborn. Before I can identify with these, but you know, batted back and forth, like which you talk about lesser of two evils, you know. He said he grew increasingly uncomfortable with the GOP and critical of Trump with his hate mongering. And uh, last year defended Michigan's openly gay Democratic general attorney general from sick, crazy, homophobic people, but asked in an interview what Biden's team could do to win back his vote. He said it was too late. Quote, I will never vote Biden again. If he stands on his head, he said, we will not meet anyone who represents the Biden or Kamala Harris campaign because they lied to us. They lied to us. When they came in 2020, they said, you will have a seat at the table. Um, anyway, it goes on and on this article and, uh, it says Republicans, Muslim and Arab Americans shifted democratic as Islamophobic rhetoric became more mainstream in the GOP culminating in Trump's Muslim ban. But Republicans have tried to make new alliances with culturally conservative Muslim voters. So again, see, they're getting the same split that we're getting. It's like Democrats want Muslims if they will be part of their faggot LGBTQ plus, you know, BLM, anti-white egalitarian agenda. Republicans want conservative Muslims as long as they'll be okay with the, with the slaughter of Palestinians and, and, and support Israel internationally. So we'll meet you domestically Muslims on your conservative values, but only if you sanction our Zionist foreign policy. I mean, a lot lot of Muslims in this country are uh, unlike uh, Britain, uh, they're business people, they're yeah. professionals. So, you know, tax cuts and that sort of thing would appeal to them. Yeah. And, uh, it says that, um, this, uh, last thing, uh, Republicans tried to make new alliances with culturally conservative Muslim voters in 2022 campaign, Michigan's GOP nominee for governor, Tudor Dixon, embraced a push by some Muslim officials in Dearborn and other towns to remove LGBTQ themed books from public libraries. So here's the thing, you know, people might say, well, I mean, you were talking about alliances with, with black nationals or whatever, you know, people always want to jump to the alliances thing right away. Um, before you have, it, it, again, Realism, guys, realism with politics. We do not yet have an organized, organized electoral block with the NJP. 
I was just talking to Joey Carbone with the, uh, I did the weekly report with who's doing all the, the work. He's now the Midwest regional director and he's doing all the work with the, uh, door hangers, you know, putting, getting them thousands of them out. As we organize an electoral block, a pro-white anti-Zog electoral block, small at first, but organized. Once you have it organized, that's when you can talk about alliances, yeah. you know, because right now the NJP, even if we wanted to, there's nothing here that we really could offer these people other than moral support. And they're getting moral support from the left and blacks and all kinds of other people. But the day could come when you could say to, for instance, Muslim voters, you like culturally conservative anti-gay shit, but you also want no more support for Israel. Well, guess what? We're two for two. You know, you, you back us on some of our other principles and we're going to get, Two for two there, you know? Well, you, you, you might have a district where it's, uh, you know, 70% Muslim, 30% whites there. And, uh, you, you know, if the Muslim is, like, really anti-Israel, uh, you can make a deal like, okay, we're going to, you know, ask our people to vote, vote for your guy, you know? Right. Rather right. than, than some kind of feudal protest vote that, uh, you know, against Muslims— We'll really send him across the line, you know, and and uh, and vice versa. So there's all kind of uh, possibilities, but yeah, you have to you have to bring something to the table because, like you said, there's no no reason for anybody to lie with us and bring down all the all the the the, the hatred and the and the uh, you know censorship and everything that we get. Why would anybody want to bring that on themselves unless we can really bring something positive to the table? Yeah, and that's where you got to do like the Hitler thing of like our our own, you know, in his first uh, his very first address when he says, "Don't believe in outside help. Everything must come from," you know, I not he goes, "Our our our steadfastness, our our uh, endurance, our our uh, loyalty, our solidarity." He goes through he says this thing, and he says, "Just as our ancestors, rather than finding Germany as a receiving Germany as a gift, once created the German state itself." It's one of his best statements in that initial uh, speech as chancellor. He goes through it so passionately and says that. And what he's saying is, you got to build up your own strength first. Because you're not going to get support from outside. So that's why when people look at, you know, the organized Muslim community, pro-Palestinian marchers, we can do our part, but we got to organize our own thing first among white people first. The interesting thing is, though, something that I've always maintained with uh, Muslims is that there is a lot of natural uh, areas of, of overlap and cooperation. And this has always been true. And uh, it, what it comes from, it comes from two things, not just uh, opposition to Jews and Jewish power in Zionism. It comes from their social conservatism, socially to their more to the right and economically to their more to the left. So like the libertarian uh, style economics capitalism does not really fit with a lot of Islamic banking practices, a lot of Islamic policies. If you look at whether it be uh, the Muslim Brotherhood or even the secular, like in Egypt, for instance, look at the uh, look at the economic principles of the Muslim Brotherhood, and then look at the the economic principles of Nasser of Nasserism, you know, Arab social nationalism, and all that kind of thing. It's it tends to be kind of national socialist. You know, in terms in terms of the mix of things. And that's why that's why they end up all in trouble with the Jews. It's not just because the Jews want their land. It's because their combination that you have in that part of the world, the tr traditional thing of economically somewhat more populist, socially somewhat more conservative or nationalist, traditionalist, uh, that's the magic combo that the Jews can't penetrate. They can't get a foot in, you know, because if they need laissez-faire economics to get i just wonder if american muslims would be that uh socialist minded like they are in muslim countries because you know it's the same like, like here with the white community if you start talking about say socialized medicine uh, uh 
I mean, you know, what's wrong with with taking a little bit out of everybody's pay, you know, and and you have uh, like I talked to Canadian guys, uh, you, you have like a credit card, or you go to the, the hospital or the doctor, they swipe your card, and, and and it works, and it can work if you have people with the same work ethic. You know, you have a bunch of farmers from, uh, you know, Nebraska or something. You can have a system like that. But you throw in, you know, a huge bunch of blacks in Detroit into that system that are shooting and stabbing each other and sticking needles in their arm. And they're, they're, they're 25 years old and they've needed more health care than, than the average farmer in Nebraska, you know, by the time he's 70. And so it's not going to work. And I just wonder if some of the Muslims here – uh, would resist that kind of thing more because any kind of system like that, that they they would be thrown in with all these other people that, that aren't their ethnicity, aren't their religion. Well, um, here's a, I, I pulled up some numbers here. Um, majority of Muslims in America prefer a bigger government offering more services um, overall than a smaller one with fewer services. This is a poll, um, uh, when this is 2016, 2017, um, and and this is similar to the polling done in 2011 and 2007. Um, preference for a larger government is especially strong among Muslim immigrants, 72 percent. Um, and what it comes down to is, you know, it's just the normal view. By, by comparison, Muslims who were born in the U.S., 58 percent. It goes down a little bit because you know, they're more Americanized. They're more Americanized. But that's what I mean is it comes from people from that part of the world. Their their attitude is more accepting of, again, it's just like most of the world, like Europeans. You know, a, a larger government or a, or a more active government that, that it, it, rather than a hands-off government, you let corporations run everything. But, again, in this country, it's always the fake divide where the left is for that, but also with that you get – the tranny stuff in the schools and the BLM and the anti-white and you can get your, your, you know, anti your pr- traditional marriage or your anti uh, Antifa or BLM sentiment in the Republican party. But what comes with that is laissez faire economics and tax cuts for the wealthiest, you know, billionaires. So, well, that, that's what allows uh, libertarian Republican types to avoid the uh, it partially helps them avoid the racial uh, issue, of course, because it's uh, oh yeah, you know it's uh, you know we have like private uh, healthcare system because they they feel confident that they can you know get the healthcare they need that way, and 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 uh, if you bring everybody in on it, uh, working class whites and all, you have to bring in like welfare class blacks that'll break the system. They can avoid even talking about that by advocating for the things they do. Yeah, exactly. I think, well, that's their whole thing. I think that this is, this is just very interesting though. I'm glad that these people are standing up. Um, and, and, it, and there's just, there's just a lot of lessons to learn from it. So <clears throat> here's the other thing. Breaking, uh, care calls on President Biden to apologize for shocking and dehumanizing remarks on Palestinian civilian casualties. I want to see this whole thing. Um, during a press conference, Care called on the president to now. Care sucks. You know, Care is shitty as hell. What's that stand for the Council on American Islamic Relations. They are. They have tried to during the whole George Floyd moment. They really tried to like. We also, you know, we're part of that thing, and I think they are gatekeep, gate kept by a lot of even Jews. Um. But this is so, what Israel's doing is so extreme that it's like they have to, you know, their own, I mean, or people are just going to abandon them. Uh, So Kerr called on Biden to apologize. So at the White House today, President Biden commented on the civilian casualties of the Israeli government's assault on Gaza, saying, I'm sure innocents have been killed and it is the price of waging war. And then he said, I have no confidence in the number of civilian casualties the Palestinians are using. (laughs) I mean, yeah, here's a quote 
Biden doesn't have confidence in the Gaza test. Well, quote, I have no notion if Palestinians are telling the truth. I'm sure innocents have been killed and it's the price of waging war. Israel should be incredibly careful to ensure they're going after the folks propagating this war. So well, imagine saying that about the Israelis. I have yes. no confidence that they're telling the truth. Yes. I mean, why didn't he say that about the babies with their heads cut off? Right. right. Why did he jump to like, oh, yeah, they cut their heads off. Right. I mean, you know, the, the, the hypocrisy is off the charts. So here's their uh, executive director's statement. Quote, we are deeply disturbed and shocked by the dehumanizing comments President Biden made about the almost 7,000 Palestinians slaughtered by the Israeli government over the past two weeks. I mean, 7,000 people in two weeks. That's like 5911s. The Israeli government has openly admitted, this is the statement, quote, the Israeli government has openly admitted that it is targeting civilians and civilian infrastructure. Journalists have confirmed the high number of casualties and countless videos coming out of Gaza every day show mangled bodies of Palestinian women and children and entire city blocks leveled to the ground. President Biden should watch some of those videos and ask himself if the crushed children being dragged out of the ruins of their family homes are a fabrication or an acceptable price of war. They are neither. President Biden should apologize for his comments, condemn the Israeli government for deliberately targeting civilians, and demand a ceasefire before more innocent people die. That's great. That's fantastic. Right on the head. Yeah, and, and, and you know, how about the thing, Mike put it out today, of, of like, there's still no evidence. What about all the 200 and some pal- uh, Jews that were killed at the concert? Where's the footage of that? Yeah. They still haven't put it out, along with the, with the 40 beheaded babies. Hey, you're still listening to only half the content? I don't know if I could do that. And I would say to myself, man, this Svenpai guy is making good content. I love this. I can't take any more free riding. I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? I'm Svenpai's top guy. What am I going to do? Sun chose me to get a subscription. Whoa, Sven needs me? Okay, I'll do it. I'm going to bat for you, Sven. I'm going to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall, Sven. Yeah, anything they say, you just accept it on, on its face. Right, right, right. Anyway, uh, no, I, I, I love this. I love this. They are losing their shit. And and here's one more thing before we go to the, the break here. Um, the, the, the latest poll, once again, it's what we were talking about last time. Um, one second. Showing how, yeah, here it is. <laughs> uh, whose side are you on? Palestine, Israel. Um this was uh, uh, UNN. Um, so this is David uh, uh, David Cruz, Scottish guy uh, that, that spoke at the PA conference, and I've been following his, his uh, UNN Unity News Network. I think it is. He wrote, "Younger people in dissident circles are universally turning against slavish support for Israel. If you can't even acknowledge this, then you were just a Zionist propagandist." So here's the poll, uh, CNN. Israel's military response to Hamas attack is fully justified by age. 65 plus years older, 81%. 50 to 64 years old, 56%. That's a huge drop off. 35 to 49%, 44, uh, I'm sorry, 35 to 49 years old, 44%. 18 to 34 years old, 27%. So it goes from 81 to 56 to 44 to 27. Not a trend they like to see. They've got a problem. How are they going to turn that around? How are they going to get this, these people in the next 50 years to go from 27 to 81 again? They're not. They're not. Yeah. Jews, you're, you should just kill yourselves. I mean, it's... And, you know, and I'm convinced, like we talked about before, these older people, it's the... All this Holocaust stuff that were beaten to their heads when they were kids, you know, and that's that's what you're seeing reflected here. There's a residual thing of the oh the poor Jews, you know, and there's still what happened. There's to still them. seventy or, or, or twenty, uh, almost twenty percent of them still, yeah, yeah, which is probably like fifteen percent old, like um, old old you know anti-war protesters that never like became capitalists in the Reagan era. Uh, or never let go of there. And then like 5% like hardcore anti-Semites that were always anti-Semites. 
But uh, anyway, yeah. So that's very good news, guys. We're gonna we're gonna take our break here, and uh, you know, if you if you're not subscribed to the right stuff biz, please do so. Keeps our whole thing going here. Hundred percent user funded. No big donors. No Jews backing us. Censored as hell. You you know the whole spiel. But please subscribe if you haven't subscribed. There's multiple ways to do it. We'll see on the other side when we're going to talk about, I mean, speaking of, of, of Jew sucking nigger lovers, we're going to talk about our, our new speaker of the house who is, well, I didn't even know this guy existed until two days ago. And now, oh my God. They keep getting worse. If, yeah. You know, well, hold off. We'll talk about it in the second half. All right. We'll see you on the other side.